You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents the Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the Ally News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It is summer, it is hot, it is disgusting, it is sticky, and I hate this weather. For all the fans out there that like 80 degree weather, this is the time of year I hibernate in my house with air conditioning. So for all the fans that are looking for me or going to try to find me, I will be hiding in my home. So you can knock on my door and if I feel like answering it, maybe I will speak to you. But we have a great show lined up for you guys. But first, Speedy Petey. I hope everyone had a good Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy the warm weather, even though Errol won't. But Mm. also a salute to all the soldiers that served in in, uh, Absolutely, a various amount of wars throughout this uh, country's history, sacrificed their lives, including my grandfather on my father's side of the family that was in the Korean War, and everyone out there who served. We salute you here on the weekend crunch. Absolutely, my grandfather fought in Korea as well. My other grandfather fought in Vietnam. A lot of craziness in this world, and hopefully, as we move forward, we can all be together as one. That's all we hope for. A little bit later in the show, we will be talking to longtime NYFD firefighter and Jets fan, Edwin, Fireman Ed Anzalone. So he will be joining us. We're looking forward to getting Fireman Ed on the show. You know the guy. He is the mascot of the New York Jets. And he will be on the show. He was on the Pat McAfee show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, he's on our show. So it'll be fun as Fireman Ed can't wait to talk a little Jets football with us. So it will be fun. We're going to get into some NHL conversation as Peter LaViolette is now the favorite to become the next New York Ranger head coach. So Ranger fans, you might have your guy. And I believe this is the best hire available that could take the Rangers to the promised land. It hasn't happened since 94. And we all know who the coach was, and we all know who the GM, Neil Smith, was when that all happened. But we will get into that. The NBA, the Nuggets lead the Heat one game to zil in the NBA Finals. Absolute domination. We will get into the Nuggets and the Heat. Scott Perry will step down as the Knicks general manager this offseason. Yippee. Give me a break. For anybody that likes Scott Perry and thinks that Scott Perry had anything to do with building this team, Shame on you. NFL, DeAndre Hopkins cut by the Cardinals. The Giants have some interest. The Jets don't. So for all the Jet fans out there on social media, let's get DeAndre Hopkins. It's not happening. I don't know why anybody thinks that the Jets, every single time somebody becomes available, any big name becomes available, every single Jet fan throughout social media says that the Jets should get him. I don't understand it, but that's what happens when you have one of the greats in Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. The Jets could re-sign Kawan Alexander soon, as we expect. And as long as he is a free agent, his cost of bringing him back on this team could be less than anybody thinks. So 
I think the longer he's a free agent, the cheaper it will be for the New York Jets to bring him back. Jimmy G fails his physical with the Raiders, and the Raiders add a new clause in his contract. MLB conversation, the Giancarlo, the Josh Donaldson, and the Tommy Canely reactivated by the Yankees. I don't know what is going on with the Yankees, but hopefully this is a movement. After these guys come back, maybe Bader will actually come back and play more than a week stint on the field and not go on the IL for another 10 days. And maybe our prize acquisition in the offseason and Carlos Rodon. Hopefully we see that in the next couple of weeks. And the Yankees and Mets updates and money line mania so let's get into it i know a lot of people here will sit here and say why did the rangers fire gerard gallant i'm one of them i didn't understand it two seasons as a ranger head coach the first season he takes them all the way to an easter conference final the second season they lose in the first round against a young fast hungry new jersey devils team Sportsnet nhl insider elliot friedman reports that the rangers could be announcing Peter LaViolette as their next head coach by the end of next week. Chris Drury believes the decision to hire LaViolette would be a low-risk, high-reward opportunity. The Blue Jackets are likely to hire LaViolette if the Rangers don't. LaViolette has coached for 21 years in the NHL with the Islanders, the Hurricanes, the Flyers, the Predators, and the Capitals. LaViolette has 752 wins in his coaching career, eighth most in NHL history. LaViolette has a 32-29 and career playoff record and has three Stanley Cup appearances, winning with the Hurricanes in 2006 and losing with the seven-seeded Flyers and eight-seeded Predators in his other two appearances. The other names that the Rangers were interviewing was Kraken's assistant coach, Jay Leach, Hartford Wolfpack coach Chris Knobloch, and former Red Wings and Leafs head coach, Speedy's favorite, Mike Babcock. God, no, if they hire him. Oh, God. I will say this. I think where the Rangers are at right now, the talent that they have, the youth that they have on this team, if they bring in Peter LaViolette, they need to bring in rugged players. LaViolette likes to hit. LaViolette likes to play that mean hockey. Finesse players do not work very well in his offensive schemes. Go look at the teams that he's coached. The Hurricanes, they are not a finesse team. They never were. Even now, with Rob Brindamore, they're not considered a finesse team. The Flyers, I don't even have to tell you what the (laughs) Flyers are. The Predators, we all know what the Predators were, especially when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. They had great goaltending, great defense, and rugged forwards. Guys that hit, guys that put you through a wall. And then there's the Capitals. I don't even have to tell you who Alexander Ovechkin is. Rangers fans, we know well who Tom Wilson is as well. The Rangers will need to add players to this roster if they bring in Peter LaViolette. The best opportunity for the Rangers to win a Stanley Cup is with Peter LaViolette. None of these coaches, Jay Leach, Chris Knobloch, who seems to be having success in the AHL for the Rangers, who cares? And Mike Babcock, forget it. Okay, I don't even want to hear it. We all know Mike Babcock when he was on the Detroit Red Wings. The only reason why he won those Stanley Cups is because of the teams he was coaching. I'm telling you right now, this would be a huge pickup in the offseason for the New York Rangers. Bringing in players and finesse players, it never has worked for the Rangers. And I think the number one target, if they bring in Peter LaViolette to trade this offseason, 
is Panarin. It's interesting to think because you're right. A lot of these teams, besides the Predators, had a couple frontline guys, but they mostly were built on the defense and the goaltending. And they didn't have those types of roster structures the way the Rangers did. The Flyers, like you said, never did. They were always big forwards, big defensemen. All the teams he's ever coached, even the Islanders, rugged. They are rugged teams. That's how he coaches. He plays a rugged game. He loves to forecheck. This is his game. He brings in guys that could forecheck and do that kind of rugged type of hockey and you need speed he's always had a line that can move up and down the ice with speed and hit you at will if the rangers bring in peter laviolette they have to bring in guys that can play in his style of hockey one of those things that's been stressed on why these coaches keep getting jobs is because you need that level of physicality in the playoffs look at the two teams that are in the stanley cup now florida we never thought of as this big rugged physical team until like late in this season this year they were always a finesse team they Vegas had some physicality in throughout their times too, but even with a lot of the players hurt, they weren't hitting the same way in the regular season. And the Rangers, one of the things that did well for them last year when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals was their smaller guys were actually playing more physical. That kid line was very physical. Their lower level defensive pairings were very physical in those third pairings. And the Rangers got away from that. And almost like they got too much talent and they started to play finesse. And they, you're like you said, they tried to rely on the stars too much and it just didn't work. And they need a coach that could do that. And they definitely need a change in the construction of their team, too, because they need some center depth because they need guys that can win faceoffs. The Devils were out faceoffing them by like 20 in a lot of those games that they lost. And that cannot happen in the playoffs. And again, you know, look at all the teams, even the t- less four teams left in the conference finals. Like they all can win faceoffs. You need that kind of thing. And Laviolette, every team he's coached has good center depth, too. I think when you look at where the Rangers are, they have to bring in a guy like Peter Laviolette because Gerard Gallant didn't work, Tortorello didn't work. None of these guys have worked. They've brought in a Stanley Cup coach. They brought in coaches that have gone all the way to the Eastern and Western and Stanley Cup finals. It hasn't worked. But Peter LaViolette, everywhere he's gone, he has built a winning culture. And I think if the Rangers bring in Peter LaViolette, he will bring a winning culture to the Rangers. The question is, with him bringing a winning culture, is that enough to bring home a Stanley Cup like they did in 94? That could only be answered by the New York Rangers, the players on the ice. Peter LaViolette is not going to go on the ice and win him the games. That's not what he does. That's not what coaches do. They draw up a scheme and they run the scheme. That's what they do. So I think Peter LaViolette, he's a smart guy. He's a very interesting guy. He's very quiet. If you ever seen him when he does his interviews and stuff like that, he's pretty quick with the answers. He doesn't sit there and give you long answers. He's not Tortorella. Tortorella likes to sit there and give you crazy answers or yelling at you or giving you the finger if he really wants to. I don't see Peter Laviolette doing that. But what I do see is that this guy can absolutely coach. This guy could take the Rangers to that next level. The question is, are the Rangers willing to go out there after bringing in a Peter Laviolette, bringing in guys that would fit the culture on the way he likes to play hockey and bringing in guys that play his style of hockey or getting these other guys to play that style of hockey too that making the roster that they currently have just a little more physical because again we've seen other guys transform themselves a lot of these teams that are in the later parts of the NHL playoffs have finessed players from other teams but they made them more physical if they cannot trade Panarin which I, again I agree with you that they should explore especially two bad playoffs in a row but if they can't they need to get the coaching to get him to at least play some level of defense and a lot of these other guys he too. doesn't play defense and there's no way of teaching somebody that's never played defense in his career at 30 
31 years old. He's never played a lick of defense. And now all of a sudden you bring in Peter LaViolette and say, okay, it's time to play defense. That's not going to happen. And the Rangers know that. Zabinijad, that's why I would keep him because he could play defense. If you push him to do it, he can do everything. He can win face-offs. He can put the puck in the net. He does everything good. And when the Rangers made the trade with Ottawa a couple of years ago to add Zabitajab, I thought that the Rangers had a piece that can help them go all the way to the Stanley Cup. They have the goaltending. Shesterkin is a guy that could absolutely stand on his head and be a winner in the NHL. The questions really hold to the fourth line. Their fourth line has done nothing for the last couple of years. Go look at how much money they have spent on the fourth line. Not just even with Chris Drury. Look at what they did the last four or five years. Bringing in players to try to fill in that fourth line and None of it has worked. I think that what the Rangers need to do this offseason is if they bring in a Peter Laviolette, they trade away one or two pieces, maybe one of their youngsters, a Lafanier or a Capococco, trade one of those guys, try to bring in pieces, even young pieces that you can build and show them the culture Peter Laviolette wants these young Rangers or these Rangers to play. The forward depth too. Only two of them out of the top three lines played that good of defense in that Devils series too. That cannot happen in the playoffs no matter who your coach is as it is. Now, again, Peter Laviolette gets the talent up there, but he's done that with underdog teams too. And the Rangers, maybe they structure themselves as more of that balance, but not like overly starved power team because it seems like they're not going to bring back Kane. He had all those hip issues. Now he's getting surgery. Tarasenko doesn't look like it either. So they have to change their approach. Tarasenko is going to the Islanders. I've said this over and over and over again. And that's where I believe he's going to go. Lou didn't want to say anything when I saw him at an event the other day when I brought up Tarasenko. But you know and I know that Lou has been trying to get Vladimir Tarasenko for years from the St. Louis Blues. And they didn't want to give up enough to get him. And now that he becomes an unrestricted free agent this offseason, do you really think that he is going to sign with the Rangers or go back to the Rangers when he probably could get an extra million dollars from the Islanders? I don't see that. I think... Tarasenko is as good as an Islander unless the Islanders decide to bring in another or a younger type of player that plays the type of game that he plays. Well, what makes it interesting, what you said about Panarin, though, is they could get that kind of still win-now type players, two of them back of second, third-line caliber that have some size, that have some defense, or centers that could win face-offs for the love of God would be nice. But they need that combination because he's clearly not working in the playoffs. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's preview the Stanley Cup Finals. I think this is going to be a fantastic Stanley Cup Finals. I really do. When you look at the Florida Panthers, what the Florida Panthers had to do do to get here was absolutely amazing. They had to beat the number one seed, the best team in NHL history in the regular season, and arguably one of the greatest seasons for a goaltender in Allmark that we'll probably ever see. He had the best goals against, the best save percentage. I mean, you name it, he had it. Wins, losses. The guy was unbelievable. And then when he got into the playoffs and he was matched up against a number eight seed who barely sneaked into the playoffs when everybody, including yours truly, was questioning why they traded for Matthew Kachuk in the offseason. I thought it was crazy. And they were the best offensive team in the NHL last year. They were the number one seed. And then they go in, they sneak into the playoffs with probably a weaker team, and they're all the way in the Stanley Cup Finals. They beat the Boston Bruins. They practically beat up on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, they just absolutely pulverized the Hurricanes. If the Florida Panthers 
go into the Vegas series and win this series, I honestly would believe this is the greatest run in NHL history. And it would be statistically true, too, because they would have beaten four of the top five teams in overall points this season. Vegas had the most points in the Western Conference, 111. I think they were the lowest team on the list. The Devils were the only team that was above them. So Boston, obviously 134 points that they had. Toronto and Carolina were above the Devils. So that's four of top five teams. And the Panthers were the lowest overall points coming in, too. They only got in because the Penguins lost to the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets at the end of the season. And I don't think Pittsburgh's making that kind of run that the way Florida has, not with their cap hits and lack of physicality. No, they don't have anyone like a Matthew to talk about Sergei Bobrovsky for sure. I think it's been absolutely something we'll always remember. And if somehow the Florida Panthers pull this off, and I believe they will, as good as Las Vegas is, as good as Las Vegas had all throughout the season and throughout the playoffs, and they've beaten pretty good teams too. They ran right through Dallas, and Dallas shouldn't have even been matched up on the ice against the Las Vegas Knights because if you look at the Las Vegas Knights and their talent, they're full talent. They're as talented as any team in the NHL. The roster is stacked. And when you have Jack Eichel and you have Mark Stone, those type of players, these guys are championship type of players and guys that were built to win. This team was built to win. And the way Hill is playing in the net, everybody keeps talking about Bobrovsky. Let's talk about Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill, besides losing two games against Dallas and practically letting Dallas get back into that series, he was unstoppable. Nobody could put the puck behind him. This guy was a fifth string. He wasn't even on the roster in the beginning of the season. He's never even started a full season on any team. He was a backup last year with the Sharks. And now he's making a name for himself, just like Jonathan Quick did when he played for LA and when he won those two Stanley Cups. All you have to do is make a run and do what he did. How many times did we see Murray do that? Yeah. With the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, he didn't have much of a career, but Murray won two Stanley Cups. He was the third string on that team, too, because the Rangers actually did well in Game 3 against that backup, and then he got benched, and Matt Murray made history two Stanley Cups later. It always happens. A hot goalie takes his team all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals and either wins or loses, but we'll remember this run because of what he has done. Is he better than Bob Brodsky? No. Bob Brodsky has been one of the best goaltenders in the NHL for the last 10 years. There's no argument to that. He's been an elite goaltender. He just hasn't stayed healthy in the last couple of years. He's making a lot of money. Bob Brodsky's making $10 million a year. He's one of the highest paid goalies in the league. And Aiden Hill's probably not making more than three, dollars $400,000. Probably at a minor league deal knowing the way the Vegas has operated because remember they had a ton of goalies all throughout the year after Robin Leonard couldn't play this season it started with Logan Thompson then it went to Brassois then it went to Quick like it rotated around so many guys for a while and finally they settled on this kid Hill who was a backup with the Sharks and they got used to just playing with whoever was in net and that defense those skaters really had to play well and adjust to every one of them and that deserves a lot of credit in itself especially those last two series against Edmonton best top line besides Boston in the league and then Dallas who's the leading top line in the playoffs so far. I think this series is going to be very, very close. I think it goes seven, but I'm going to bet on the team that has the veteran goalie, the goalie that has succeeded practically his whole career, not in the playoffs, but as a career goaltender in the NHL. He has been one of the best goalies in the league for the last 10 years. 
So I'm going to bet on the Florida Panthers because they have the better goalie. And the way the Florida Panthers has played and breezed through the Eastern Conference, which, let's be honest, is much better than the Western Conference. As long as they play the way they did, gritty, rough, and they did everything they needed to do to get under the Maple Leaf skin and the Carolina Hurricanes skin, even the Boston Bruins, and they're the biggest pests, they got under their skin too. If they could do it against Vegas... I think the Florida Panthers win in seven games. One thing you have to look at with Vegas, though, they have a lot of wingers that could hit, though, too. Marcia So is another guy that has a lot of familiarity with the Florida Panthers, and they have a lot of good center depth, too. And we saw that depth really overcome two very good top lines and just winning like that. If Florida's depth can keep playing that same way, they'll win this series, but I think it eventually will run out for them. I picked Vegas at the start of the playoffs. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go Vegas in six. I agree with you, though. If it does go to game seven, I'll take Florida. When we come back, some NBA conversation and Nuggets lead the Heat one game to nil in the NBA Finals. What do I believe is going to happen in the series? I think we all know what's going to happen in this series. Scott Perry will step down as the New York Knicks general manager this offseason. Boo-hoo. I'm going to tell you why it doesn't scare me, it doesn't bother me, because it only helps me when I think it's time to get rid of our friend Mr. Bricklayer himself, Julius Randle. When we come back, we will get into the NBA here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all the shows throughout the week, including the Sports Loud Mouths with me and Speedy every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great content, great guest, and yes, crazy fans. Tune in to the the Worldwide Sports Radio Network every single week live. All you have to do is go to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I will say this. Please, when you get into your cars, as it gets hot outside, do not roll down your windows. Put your air conditioning on. I know everybody's scared about the gas prices that go up in the summertime. It is not good to keep your windows down in this humidity. It is horrible. I know today was 50 degrees, but yesterday on Friday was absolutely horrendous. I think it was at its highs, 88, 89. We're in the beginning of June, and we're already hitting almost 90-degree weather. You know what that means when we hit the heart of the summer? We're talking about 100, 105 degrees. I can't handle it, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot handle it. I need my air conditioning. Anyways, I want to get into some NBA And the Nuggets lead the Heat one game to none in the NBA Finals. I wasn't surprised. Game one. I knew that Jokic and Murray were going to play a big part offensively if the Nuggets were going to beat the Miami Heat. What I was very surprised about in game number one is the way the Nuggets manhandled the Miami Heat. Miami is a rough team. And we have seen what Spolstra coaches. He coaches defense and he coaches team defense. The way Denver was getting into the paint at will, they completely dominated the paint. When they needed to shoot and they needed to step behind the arc, they were doing that pretty well as well. But what really makes Jokic so special is the way he sees the court. How many times in game number one did he make passes that me, you, or any Joe Schmo probably couldn't even dream of making? 
This guy is the best passer I've ever seen. Not just centers. This guy is the best passer I have ever seen in NBA history. In the 30 years I've watched basketball. It's unbelievable. And to think that this guy was a second round draft pick. To think that this guy didn't win back to back to back MVPs this year. Because Joel Embiid was crying that he hasn't won an MVP yet. What I could say about Jokic is when you bring your team to the finals and do it manhandling the Western Conference the way he did, nothing could be hidden but the truth that this guy was the MVP of the NBA. And we're seeing passes that these guys have ever seen before, even from point guards, too. We were talking about it at the beginning of game one. He was tossing the ball up in the air like he was passing a lob, and then he would throw a dart in the middle. And then Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter would be there for a dunk. His court vision and then his movements with the ball are so tricky to judge for any defense. And Miami's a top defense. They were a top three defense in the league this year, and they had no answer. And inside, Miami was getting manhandled because of Jokic's creativity. They kept having to switch guards inside. They couldn't stop Aaron Gordon. Does anybody remember Aaron Gordon, where he came from? He has been on the Denver Nuggets for the last three or four years. And people forget that he's been in a league for a significant amount of time. Aaron Gordon was dominating the paint. All game long. And Caleb Martin, who I believe was the MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals, not Mr. Butler, okay? Jimmy Butler won the MVP, but I thought it was Caleb Martin. He was the most dominant force and the reason why Miami beat the Boston Celtics. He couldn't do nothing. He was defending Aaron Gordon, and he was pushing him around like a rag doll. It was complete domination. And if this series continues to go like this, this series could be over in four games. I said it was going six, and everybody says, well, Oh, the game was close. The only reason why the game was close is because the Denver Nuggets, they knew the game was over with five minutes left. And they were just playing around. They played it like a pickup game at the end of the game. So the game became close. They won by 11, but at one point, like you said, it was 88 to 53. So they won by 11, but the way the game was going, they could have won by 20. They could have won by 25 if they really wanted to. There was no way Miami was going to come out winning that game. And every single series that Miami won in the playoffs this year they have won the first game they did not win the first game against Denver I don't think they're going to win the second game in Denver on Sunday it was embarrassing and I know Spolstra after the game he was very calm and collective at the press conference and that's what Spolstra does he said Jokic is a man child Murray has developed into one of the best point guards and one of the best guards in the NBA we all know what they're capable of doing but if you look at the third and fourth options that Denver has it's amazing and I've been saying this and I'll say it again Denver is the new Golden State Warriors. Practically every single player on that roster was drafted. All their star players were drafted by Denver. Jokic, Murray, and Porter. All three of those guys, they have a threesome, just like the Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. These guys are in their prime. Murray has been hurt for two years. He couldn't stay healthy. Before he got hurt, his development was unbelievable. He was as big of a dominant force in the playoffs than Jokic was before he hurt his knee. And now Jokic is developed into the best player in the league, and now Murray is finally at the top of his game again. And now when you have these two guys in the primes of their career, in the next three to four years, they can win two, three titles. They're that good. 
Yeah, we've seen also the trends of the NBA too. Pure centers that were dominant just in the paint are a dying breed, and also smaller guards are a dying breed. And what the Nuggets have is a combination of every other good concept. Jamal Murray is a bigger point guard that could play tough defense and could shoot threes well. It took him a while to develop that, but once he got it going, he's been fantastic. Nikola Jokic, like you said, the best passing center we've ever seen, one of the best passers in NBA history. NBA history. Already, this guy's 27 years old, and we're comparing him to the best passers in in NBA history, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, you name him. He is as good as any one of them. And then you got a player like Porter, too, that still has a lot of good upside. A young player that has had some injury issues, but he could shoot like a guard, too, and he's six foot ten. and they have so much size advantages, they could get on so many mismatches, and the switches that they do, the creativity in this offense, because of Jokic's passing, gives Miami a lot of fits, because they're having these guards end up inside. Jimmy Butler stuck on the perimeter, and Bam Adebayo is either fouling out, or he's out of position because of the way that these Nuggets just move the ball so well. And one thing that Golden State does very well, you compare the two teams, is off-the-ball movement. And the Nuggets do a fantastic job with that, too. The Nuggets could shoot. They can get into the paint. They can dominate at the free-throw line. There is no weakness in this team. And they have a very good coach, too. Everybody talks about how great Spolstra is throughout the playoffs, and especially in the Eastern Conference Finals against a rookie coach. Malone is just as good as Spolstra. He hasn't won the title Spolstra has won, but he's never coached as good of talent year in and year out as Spolstra. This is finally the first year that the development of the young players, the players that he helped develop over there in Denver, that's going to give him a chance to win an NBA title. So I think Malone's going to have a chance to win multiple NBA championships with this team. And they have Caprum too. So if they really want to bring in another guy to come and help out, they actually could. So it is very fun to watch. I'm excited. They had chances to win a championship with Carmelo Anthony and Allen Iverson and Chauncey Billups. They tried to put an all-world team together. It never worked out. The furthest they went was the Western Conference Finals. Now, they're finally playing home games. Yes, having home court advantage in Denver. This is going to be a very hard team to beat. I think this is Denver to win. I think the way game one was going... I still believe it's going six, but I wouldn't be surprised if this series is over in five. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know everybody's waiting for us to talk about the Knicks and the offseason and who could they bring in? Who will they bring in? Who do they trade? How's that? Well, over the last couple of days, there were stories coming out from the New York Knicks organization and Newsday. Steve Popper reports that Scott Perry will step away from the Knicks when his contract expires this year. Perry has has been with the Knicks since 2017, just after Phil Jackson and the Knicks parted ways. Many reports believe that Perry didn't have as much of a say with the Knicks in the offseason decisions last year, with Worldwide West and Rosas having more say behind Leon Rose. Reports believe that the trade for Cam Reddish in 2022 was a big part in the decision to give Perry less say in other offseason decisions. Tom Thibodeau did not like the trade for Reddish either, barely giving him any playing time. The Knicks have 11 first-round draft picks in the next seven years, despite not having any this year. Perry was a big part in the draft selections of R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson and the signings of Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. I will say this about Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson was coming here no matter what. Scott Perry could talk 
to his mother, and he obviously talked to his father because he's one of the coaches on the bench for Tom Thibodeau. The truth is, everybody knew that Jalen Brunson was coming here because his father was an assistant coach on Tom Thibodeau's coaching staff. Everybody knew he wanted to come to New York. He grew up here in New York. He grew up a Knicks fan, and he wants to bring a championship home in New York. He's from the East Coast. He doesn't like the West Coast. He was playing in Dallas. He is from the East Coast. He played for Villanova in Philadelphia. He wanted to come home. Scott Perry or no Scott Perry, he would have been here no matter what. What Scott Perry could do is he can open up a big suitcase and he could take our bricklaying friend Julius Randle with him. I don't care if he's an all-NBA player. I don't care about that. That didn't help us in the playoffs. That didn't help us when he had to go to the free throw line against the Miami Heat and missed free throw after free throw after free throw. I don't want to see that anymore. And he wants to take credit for R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett did play well in the playoffs. He did. He played well against Miami. There were certain times in the playoffs he made too many mistakes. Randall made too many mistakes. Quigley made too many mistakes. And yes, R.J. Barrett again made too many mistakes. So I think R.J. Barrett's going to be a trade ship. I think Mitchell Robinson will be a trade ship too. Two guys that everybody wants to give him credit for drafting R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. All of those guys can be gone, except Jalen Brunson. The Knicks got it right with one player. Now they need to find the right players to play around him. And I didn't believe Scott Perry was the guy. Scott Perry, if you want to hold your head on bringing in Julius Randle for the contract that you did at the time, yes, he's made two All-NBA teams. The amount of bricks that he laid in the playoffs couldn't even fit in the suitcase you want to pack him in. You want that in the playoffs for a team that is supposed to be now thought of as a championship caliber team if they bring in one more star player? That's the guy you want to be able to keep? Good luck with that. RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, yes, they made good progressions in certain areas this year, but their games are still flawed enough where they still could be traded in a deal for the right player, too. We've seen the Knicks linked to many star players yep. this offseason, and even last year at the trade deadline, too, with somebody like a Zach Levine. All these guys could be used in that trade. Yes, they were reluctant to trade Barrett in a deal for Donovan Mitchell at the time. In the same Big mistake, and it might come back to haunt them. It might come back to haunt them, but at the same time, not every team has Danny Ainge as their president of basketball operations. That's going to want to screw the Knicks. So Mm -hmm. there's going to be some other stars out there to make that kind of thing work. And these guys are all expendable at this point at the right price. I'm not saying to sell short. I'm not saying to force feed somebody like R.J. Barrett out of New York. But you have to realize that this decision is being made based on the Knicks making it this far, overperforming this year, and Jalen Brunson now being a centerpiece to be able to build on that's on a now bargain contract. When we come back, some Moneyline Mania with Chaz and Paolo only on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all the shows throughout the week and listen to the Sports Loudmouth, me and Speedy, every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. We are live. You can tune in. You can 
call the shows. Go to the website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And if you miss it, you can go to Apple Podcast. We have 1.5 million downloads. Check it out. You can listen to all the shows that you've missed throughout the week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for all those fans that are trying to get richer, if you have not tuned into Moneyline Mania, shame on you. Because now we're going to have two guys that pick winners every single week. Paulo and our boy Chaz. Tonight, you're going to get a chance to win some money. As they are 81% right on target since we've started with them. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we call this segment Moneyline Mania. This is Moneyline Mania. With Chaz and the crew. I was trying to give you some enthusiasm for you guys to win some money. And now these two guys are here to help you guys out. Paulo and Chaz, what's up, boys? Always fun to get together, especially with Paulo, because as long as I get to Greece, Paulo, I get to stay there for free, right? Yes, right. Think how cool it's going to be him and I betting. I'm basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to be his bitch. I'm going to be his runner. So when we're doing the live action, I have to run up to the window and put the bet in. Well, yeah, at the, at the betting partner in Serbia. That's where the auction is. It's a full-time gig. These guys like Jonathan and John from GMF, not as much Wes. Wes has got his finger in a lot of different pies, but. It's hard when you're betting live, and Paolo bets on euros, but there's a lot of zeros in those euros. And as you know, right about now, a euro and a dollar are kind of the same thing, right? Yeah, the U.S. with the euro is almost the same. Actually, like a dollar, two dollar difference. But it's almost the same. It's the pound that's high. But the euro and the dollar are almost the same. And in Mexico, a peso is a nickel. We're really hoping to be able to work something out with Caliente where we start going down there. Because remember, Thursday is the season over for the CFL, and we have a little show. It used to be a segment. It's now a spinoff. Kind of Josh. Josh is kind of a spinoff, isn't he, from you guys? <laughs> you could call it a spinoff. He's the one we call the one that spreads the rumors. <laughs> Wes and I have talked Canadian football for a long time. Paolo and I have talked Canadian football as well, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Chaz is pretty good at that. The Canadian football. He's trying to get me into it a little bit more to follow it, but I leave that up to him. He's more good at that. There's not much interest overseas on it. They start around week 10. That's when it starts getting interesting, people putting money. Now, it's not even on the board. Maybe Chaz has to bring West to Greece, and then the interest will go up. Yeah, what about the <laughs> Mostly, I'm dealing with my European overseas with the Serbian, Greeks, this and that. People here, they don't really have the big dinero to put what they have overseas. Overseas are serious big bettors. In Toronto, they bet big. But here, I have a few people, but I don't really bother much. It's mostly with my European people are enough. I don't need headaches. They're enough. Plus, Canada's hockey world. It always will be. Canadian football's been around for 60-some years, but yeah. it's still a hockey country. Hockey, yeah, that's what they care about. Any ideas on this game one? I like Florida to win game one. I think Florida, what you said from the beginning, is the, is the team to beat. So that was a good play. Wes has yeah, like 26 bets. So Florida got a sweep. So they've been resting. The Vegas got an almost sweep. Game and six they ended up game six, six to nothing, right. which is like, talk about crushing any dreams you have six to nothing in a hockey game is an ass kicking these guys have only played twice i was talking to billy elvis on the sports rap when you're dealing with the old days of the world series these teams never played during the season there was no head-to-head matchup thursday the opening day for cfl canadian football on saturdays in canada we're talking about a team where these two teams the matchup they played four times last year because one of them, they play 18 games and like 
Paolo said, about 10 games in is when it gets exciting. Wes and I will tend to, by week two or three, we have figured out who you're bet against. It comes out that there's eight teams. You're going to bet on two. You're going to bet against two in the four in the middle. Screw them. You don't worry about them. But these teams played twice. They played once in January and once in March. In January, it was two to one in Florida. And in March, it was four to two in Vegas. But until this goalie gives up more than three goals, I got to stick with the hot goalie. I know he had some time off, but the bottom line is you saw what he did. He was stopping any shot that came close. It was amazing. He had that run, 60-something straight saves. And 72 out of 74 overall at one point. So Think about that. 72 out of 74. 72 out of 74. It's just an amazing number for anything. Florida should win game one. And I like the odds. The odds are so closely matched. Florida is at 2.12, money line, and Vegas is at 1.84. I like Florida. They've they got value. Uh, what about Sunday night, game two? On game two in the NBA Finals, I like the spread. I like the Miami Heat plus nine. I think they're going to bounce back, and I think Jimmy Butler is going to have a big game. I think he's going to score over 27, but I do That's like right. Miami to get the bounce back at plus nine. I'm going to give you a third opinion here because... Jonathan, who's dealing with a wife out of town and a teething baby. And it's so funny because I was talking to Wes today about his son and my son, who are like 28 years apart. It's a whole different animal. But here's what he said. I like Vegas in game one, also for the series, and I like Heat plus nine in game two. So Jonathan agrees with Paolo. So here's what I'm looking at. I don't see anything changing. Denver is beating everybody they play. The Joker throws passes like Magic Johnson. He had a pass the other day where he was going to hit the shot 90, probably 7% of the time, and he passed it to a dude on the perimeter who made the three without touching the rim. Of course, you're seeing everybody's betting. You talked about the player props for Paolo's guy. Everybody's playing that triple-double thing. Triple-doubles normally pay 2-1, to 3-1. to one. His are paying even money. I don't see anything changing. So they won by 11 in the same venue. They're giving eight and a half. I got some data. The last four numbers, 39, 42, 40, and 42. Those numbers are very close together. That's the amount of field goals that Miami has made in their last four games. What's the average field goal worth in the NBA? 2.4 to 7, depending on what team you are. You're not beating Denver if you only get 42 baskets. I don't see how they don't win again by 11. Miami, in the first game, the spread was... Nine. They lost by 11. They should improve in the second game. They're pretty good at making adjustments. They got a good coach, Miami. And after what they pulled off in Boston in game seven, they do have a chance. If they lose game two and it's lopsided, I think the series is over. Denver would win everything. I saw the odds for Denver to sweep, and I thought to myself, they're going to be favorites in these first two games. They're minus 300. That's like a bet in the Apollo soccer team, you know, my Minus 300. You got to lay 300 hours to get a C note back. That's a lot of money. Start your day off with a loser in soccer at 6 a.m. and you lost 300 because you thought you were going to have an extra 100 to bet with. You were assuming you were going to wake up to 400 in your account, but you got zero and you started with 300. It's a tough morning. If I had them to sweep, I feel pretty comfortable about that ticket right now because then when they go to Miami, what do you think the point spread's going to be, Paolo? Four or five underdogs. Tomorrow is going to show a lot. If Miami makes it close, or by some miracle they happen to win, right now they're 4.3 to win, but if they do win or bring it close, then I can see the spread going at plus 3.5 to 4. 
but still underdogs. Miami played Boston in Boston, and the first game was eight and a half, and this first game was nine. That's very similar. The next mm-hmm. game in Boston, Miami was getting ten. And in this game, they're getting eight and a half. That's pretty close to ten. Miami won both of those games, getting points. This isn't Boston. This is Denver, and they're much better. And they're playing at home. I really think that line, because then if you go to the next game, they were only getting four and a half. And then in game four, it went to minus one. So they weren't given points until they were up 3-0. I don't see anything changing. I always have felt that sometimes people, especially sports bettors, what they want to do, they want to believe in what they think is reality when it ain't reality. The bottom line is Denver's the better team. They're playing at home, and they were the number one team in the better division all year round. I mean, the West is better than the East the last 10 years. I don't see it happening. Could they win a game? Yeah. And that's the worst part. If you bet all that money and you got plus three something on a sweep and they win four to one, yeah, you got a loser. Thursday night is season opener for CFL. I saw the points where nobody's really betting it. I think it's minus one and a half. He's absolutely right. Nobody's betting it only because here it's not even up yet. The lines are not available. And last year was the really first year that we covered it full enough to give it its own segment. In the past, Saturdays in Canada was just a discussion. It didn't have a name. It's got its own run. But the CFL, if you've watched the XFL and the USFL, you are going to really appreciate the CFL because the quality of football is so much higher. We're looking at that game now. Ironically, we're talking about the head-to-head with Florida and Vegas. They'd only played twice all season, whereas these two teams, BC, Lions and Calgary Stampeders. They played last year in August. It was 41-40 BC. They played in September. It was 31-29 BC. And then one of the things about the CFL guys is they do that back-to-back. You don't see the NFL very often. Unless it's week 17, the Jets and Buffalo play. Back-to-back, the only time you're going to see it is they have to play week 17 and then make the playoffs and play again. Not in the CFL. They do back-to-backs all the time. It's like college, they do home and away, but it's back-to-back years. (laughs) The CFL is back-to-back weeks. That was in September. September the next week, the BC won 25-11. Now, the over-unders for these games, 52.5, they scored 81. 53.5, they scored 60. 51, they only scored 36. And then they came back in the playoffs, and they matched up. And the line was 50 and minus 2. BC covered easy, 30-16. to 16. So these teams played four of their 19 games last year against each other, which is a pretty big chunk. So that's what I know so far. But because you listen to us here on the Weekend Crunch, you know what we do. So you got to find us Thursday. It'll play on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So we want to get it out there early because if you don't know anything about Blackhawk West and the CFL, you will. Paolo will be sending him the winners too. They're actually pretty good at the CFL. Chad's been handicapping it pretty, pretty good. I focus mostly on soccer with Denver. But I'm going to look into the CFL. It's a fun league. It's actually pretty exciting, but it's hard to convince people to put a lot of money into it. I don't know if I should. Like, who's going to bet actually a lot of money? I'm sure Wes will. Yeah. (laughs) That's about the extent of it. I had a couple of horses. The downside with us being on Saturday nights is the horse races are during the day Saturday. And if you saw on the news, Churchill Downs shut down yesterday. They had 12 horses die. I think it was yesterday again, a horse died at Belmont, which has got the big race coming up. And you guys are close to Belmont, aren't you? Oh, yeah. So that's the only downside is because these are horses that are coming off of our daily racing form, DRF, watch list. And what happens is once they get on the list, they got on the list because they won a prep race for the Derby or they did well in a prep race based on my watching the video. 
But we've had a lot of winners. And now what's happening is they're spreading out. and They're going to all these different tracks that you would have no idea that they were running. You'd have to look at every track every day. But so we keep this watch list. And last week, the horse paid $16 for two. Paolo and I did a lot of horse racing when the pandemic was on. Yeah, we did. We did a lot of horse racing. Santa Anita. I'm pretty good at handicapping Shantin in Hong Kong. China. I've only had one losing day. But I haven't had time lately to do handicapping. The prices and the place market are amazing. The pools are sky high. Chasnos. Those Asians love their wagering, don't they? Oh, yeah. Like, it's a uh, big part but, of the culture. What they're betting at Santa Anita or at Belmont compared to what they're betting at Shantin, at Shantin, a horse in the place market, you make money there. It's big money to make. Very big money at Shantin. Amazing place. I bet that. Paolo, do you have any soccer plays you like? This is the final week of the Italian Soccer League. My play of the week that I like a lot is I like Atalanta to win to finish off the season. My second play is I like Bologna to score a goal. My third play is in the World Cup under 20, Nigeria to win. Another play that I like, I like Juventus to win to close the season. And on Monday, I like Los Angeles FC in the CONCACAF to win the game. But next week, the big play is Manchester City against Inter for the Champions League final. That game's going to have goals. Manchester City is going to win and win easily next week. My main focus is that game, and I'm going all in on one play. Manchester City to score over 0.5 goals. And the odds on that play, believe it or not, if you put a lot of money on it, you make good money on it. And that's what I like. All right, always be catching, man. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was Moneyline Manu Apollo and Chaz. I know I have a lot of enthusiasm. I'm a little crazy tonight. I've been out there, but it's the heat. It's just absolutely burning a sensation in this brain of mine. But nevertheless, I'm here to entertain you guys. Thank you to Apollo. Thank you to Chaz. You guys were fantastic. They will give you the opportunity to win every single week. All you got to do is listen to this segment, write their picks down, and bet on them. And you're going to win some money. When we come back, we will be talking to longtime NYFD firefighter and Jets fan Edwin Fireman Anzalone here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crouch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. You can check out all our guests, all our talent. All you have to do is go to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. You can check out our show, The Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Unbelievable content. And we have some of the best guests in the country. We had Warren Brinson on last week from the two-time NCAA championship football team, the Bulldogs. He was fantastic. And we have had a tremendous amount of talented guests on our show throughout the weeks. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I know there's a lot of Jet fans out there that can't wait to hear this guy. He was on the Pat McAfee show and now he is on our show. We're now talking to longtime NYFD firefighter and Jets fan Edwin Fireman Ed. And alone. Ed, what's up, man? How you doing, guys? You look Hello. good. You look Petey. good. 
How you doing, guys? We're good, man. How are you and your family doing with COVID and everything that was going on over the last couple of years? Everything's good, man. No problems. Thank God. A lot of tragedies out there. Absolutely. Hopefully we're through it. You look happy. A little smile over there. Anybody would be smiling right now after hearing a trade going by over the last couple of weeks. And we've been hearing this over and over and over again. Before the season ended, we were wondering, where were the Jets going with the quarterback position? Zach Wilson did not play well last year and they needed a veteran quarterback to come in. It wasn't Joe Flacco. It wasn't White. They had three quarterbacks playing. They had 14 touchdowns all season long. They had more interceptions than touchdowns. It said enough to the Jets, even with seven wins. And then, throughout the last couple of weeks, you kept hearing, before the draft, the Jets are going to get this done with Aaron Rodgers. They went to see him. They went to sit with him. After he went into the tent of darkness, he gets out of the tent of darkness and he goes on the Pat McAfee show and he says that he plans to be a New York Jet this year. And then we were waiting. And Joe Douglas said, there's no doubt in his mind they're going to get this done. They finally get it done. And I was shocked that the Jets were going to give up as much as they did. But when you look at the pieces, Ed, they didn't really give up as much as you think when you think about Aaron Rodgers and who he really is as a star quarterback in the NFL. I agree with you totally. You got to give something up to get Aaron Rodgers. You're going to give up a number one pick eventually, and that'll be next year. Hopefully, I believe we're going to win a world championship with him and that will be nothing that compensation will be a joke when it's all said and done we need a little help from the football gods a little help <laughs> and you got to get a little luck plenty of teams know about luck through the years mm-hmm. the world championships i'm excited the jeff fans are really excited and rightfully so the jeff fans have been waiting we haven't been in the playoffs in 12 years we haven't had a home playoff game in 21 years <laughs> and we have not won a world championship in 54 years we're in the shadows of the giant fans and we know that the jet fan base is huge. They've been hiding in the weeds for years. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to cheer about. I look forward to the day that we can stack the wins, get home field for the first time ever in the playoffs. That's the mission. And raise that Lamar Hunt trophy. That's what the mission is. So one game at a time, stack the wins. Let's go. We're ready. And I know the Jets are ready. Realistically, in the AFC and in the NFL, where do you think the Jets rank? I would say that the Jets are behind the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. That's it. Very interesting. I don't believe they're behind Buffalo. We beat the Bills last year, and we should have beat them twice, but the kid broke his ribs. Mm-hmm. We were on our way to beat them again up there. I'm not as high on the Buffalo Bills as everybody else's. We are talking to longtime NYFD firefighter and Jets fan Edwin Fireman Ed Anzalone. We look at where the Jets have been over the last couple of years, and we talk about the GM. Everybody has really loved what Joe Douglas has done in the draft. Last year, they added Sauce Gardner, who became the defensive rookie of the year, and Garrett Wilson at number 10, who became the offensive rookie of the year. If Bruce Hall didn't tear his knee in Denver. He probably becomes the offensive rookie of the year. Jermaine Johnson didn't play as much as we wanted to see him, but this year we're going to see a lot of him. What were your thoughts over the last couple of years free agents and then bringing in the young rookies that they brought in in the draft by Joe Douglas? Yeah, Joe's done a great job. The team is loaded and ready. I mean, it's the third year for Coach Sala, and Douglas has done a nice job with the personnel. The Jets have never gotten it right 
with the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. And that continues with Joe. But that continues with a lot of NFL teams. You got to get some luck. Look at Brady. He was a sixth round pick. They didn't know what they had with him. You look over the course of the NFL, it's the hardest position. If it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. I think that Joe's doing a hell of a job. I think he'll prove that this year. The fruits of his labor will be shown this year. You got to stay healthy. And in the NFL, that's a hard thing to do. So I see them building depth. The roster is not complete. It's far from complete. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen here is June 1st, there'll be contracts. You can push money with the salary cap. You're going to have guys that are going to be cut from other teams. I believe that a lot more guys are going to be looking to play with Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think the roster is complete. We have a real good roster, but I think you're going to see two, three, four more guys come here that people will be surprised at. So what about the Quinn Williams deal still being held up? He wants to make the second highest paid defensive tackle money behind Aaron Donald. How do you think the Jets will get it done and what kind of money do you see him getting? I think Quinnen's going to get probably 75 to 80 million guaranteed and he'll probably end up with around 25 million a year. That's I what think. I think. I believe it's going to be done in the next couple of weeks. I think they're waiting for June 1st. There were stories coming out on Twitter that it's getting closer. So I expect this to happen. I think it's all about the years now. I don't think it's about the money. I think the Jets are willing to pay him. It's just the spread of years. How long are they going to give him? I'm hearing they want to give him four. He wants five. Mm -hmm. And Quinn Williams is still very young. He's one of the best young defensive lineman in the league. And Aaron Donald, how many years does he have left? He wanted to retire last year before he got an extension. So there's a very good chance that in the next two or three years, we're going to be talking about Quinn Williams as the next big thing, the next guy up from Aaron Donald and Jones, all these guys that have been dominant forces in front of the defensive line for their respectable teams. So Ed, we look at your lifestyle as the voice of the New York Jets. And you go to every single home game. You're really the mascot for the New York Jets. You're everything for the Jet fans. Every time a Jet fan sees you, they want to take a picture with you. You're the Aaron Rodgers of the Jets. What is it like being the face and really the mascot for the New York Jets? It's an honor and it's humbling that people even want to come up to you and want to take a picture with you. The first thing I was taught at a very young age was that when if somebody wants to do that, you shake their hand and you ask them their name because you make it personal because it's not about you. It's about them that they want to be able to take a picture with you and you're a regular guy. I always say to people, I say, when you get a little bit of the spotlight in life, people judge you. We all do it. I'm as guilty as the next guy. What I always tried to say was there's going to be people that don't like me. If they knew me, I think they would think differently. <laughs> but you can't change people's minds. All I can do is be me. My mom and dad raised me the right way and I try to honor that. It's an honor that you're even in that position. Because I always joke, I say, you know, I only spell four letters. If I had to spell Buccaneers, I'd be out of business. I'm not that smart. <laughs> It's all good. We all love our sports. We're all passionate. I'm as passionate now as I've ever been. I'm as hungry now more than ever. I'm 63 young. I feel good. Knock on wood. I really feel like if things go the right way, we're going to have an opportunity to win this thing. And of course, the game's played on a field and it's going to take a tough road. It's not going to be easy. But if you want to be the man, you want to win a championship, you got to be the man. Patrick we'll Mahomes. See. You're all going to be in front of us. It's not like we're going to shy away from it. I think we have the team to do it. And I know the fan base. That's why I want to see us get home field because <laughs> I believe that the fan base will will that team because that fan base is so hungry and so thirsty. We've been in the desert for so long. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has this water. We want to follow him and get that water. Aaron Rodgers is a cactus. <laughs> Your lips to God's ears, but he's embracing New York. Yes. What I love best about Aaron Rodgers, and I've heard this from so many Jet fans, is not only did he pick us 
to come here. He chose us to come here, but he embraced our history. And I love that. Me and I know other Jeff fans do. He understands the suffering. He sees it. He's around it. He's seeing it more and more as he's starting to get to be in the area. He's coming from the number one NFL successful franchise in history. When you add up NFL championships, the Green Bay Packers are the Green Bay Packers. Of course. That's all he knew. He comes over to New York and he sees the Jet fans and he goes, man. Look at these guys. They're hungry. It feeds the beast. I just love that he came out of the darkness and he looked, he wanted to be a New York football jet. Let's go. Let's go. We are talking to longtime NYFD firefighter and Jets fan, Edwin Fireman Ed Anzalone. There was two things that I can go back with you. I love your personality. I love everything that you do for the Jets. You're the face of everything that you stand for. But in 2012, I was upset at you. Because you went and you spoke to a bunch of newspapers and you said, I don't want to be a Jet fan anymore. I'm done watching the Jets. I'm done with them. A a lot of Jet fans were upset at you. You read what you want to read. Yes, of course. what I actually was quoted as Mm -hmm. saying, I said that I stepped away. And the reason I stepped away was, understand something. I've been doing this since 1986, Mm -hmm. right? So now I'm in the stadium and there was never any cameras, Mm -hmm. never video cameras. All of a sudden, and I'm talking about prevalent, started to be smartphones in around 09. Yep. Started to start to get them. Now I'm in the valley of the beast to where I want to be. I always handled it. I never had a problem with mm-hmm. it. The problem became, now they're videoing you. You don't know who it is. Of course. These guys are double-fisted. <laughs> over there. It's the truth, but it always was like that. It's not like it just started. It was always like that, and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because that's part of the fabric of football. I love it. I don't have any problem with it. As long as you act correctly. So now, they're going to film you. They're going to put mustard on you. are going to put ketchup. There was a lot of things that happened. Believe half of what you see and nothing you hear. There was a lot of things that went on. Family comes first. And it was affecting my family. I'm not going to get into the things that actually led to it. But it sure as hell wasn't the New England game. That right. just happened to be. The last straw. Done. Because there was other things that happened long before that. You can't walk out of there in handcuffs. I have a responsibility to these little kids, and there's a lot of handicapped people. There's a lot of great people mm-hmm. in the stadium. And I always felt like I represented myself, but also leading the chant. There's a responsibility there. So it got a little crazy. I never quit. I stepped away, but what I did was I was still in the stadium. If you really want to, you can see the footage, because now they're filming. So they're filming me every game. I'm up on the box with my buddy as a lawyer, and then I'm all over the place. I was at every game. I was every game. That was the end of the year. There was only two games left. Then I was at the games in 13 and 14, but I was incognito. Of course. I was trying to figure it out. It's a whole new era Hmm. in my life. You gotta remember, I'm like 55 years old at that point. And I'm going, Jesus, what is happening here? (laughs) A lot of things led to it. And then for me to go back, a lot of things led for me to go back Mm -hmm. in those years. It wasn't as simple as, oh, I'm back. It didn't work (laughs) like that. I was fortunate when I did actually come back and it was just a freak thing. The Buffalo game, 15, Thursday night, it was a whim. I didn't even have my helmet. See, anybody that's really paying attention will know the facts. I tell it like it is. That's what I said to you. I don't hide from anything. It's the way it is. It's real. Just be real. Mm -hmm. And I was. Now, everybody doesn't like it. That's okay. They don't live in my shoes. What should happen, anybody that doesn't like it, go lead 80,000. Go do it. (laughs) I don't think nobody wants that job. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, you know, I'm anyway, it all worked out the Thursday night and the place went nuts. Mm -hmm. The place went crazy. And then they had petitions for me to come back and it just worked out. I mm -hmm. moved my seats over closer towards the bench, a little more security, a little more. Are the Jets helping you out with that? Are they giving well, I, you something? Well, the security, absolutely, has helped out, but I pray right. for my seat. I got you. I don't need guys pouring beer on me. That can't happen. In life, that's just crazy, but there are nutty guys, man. Mm. Now, I don't like to talk about them because there's 99.9% .9 of the people are wonderful. It's tremendous. I'm honored. I'm blessed yeah. that I could be with all the fans. It's wonderful. The kids, a lot of people that are handicapped. I love these people, man. They love the Jets just like we all do. The women, the little girls. They There's so many different families that just love the Jets. It must be nice when Aaron Rodgers, at his press conference, the first two questions and the first two answers, he mentioned you, Fireman Ed. That says a lot about who you are for the New York Jets and how much Aaron Rodgers respects the Jet fans. I was blessed. I was down in Florida and I watched the press conference. You're blown away. You're a human being. You're like, wow. <laughs> I was fortunate. I was in Green Bay. We happened to play them last year. In his words, we smoked them. <laughs> That's right. And there was 20,000 Jet fans there. The Jet fans showed up in Green Bay in force. So at the end of the game, I was down behind a Jet bench and the fans come down. We rocked the house. We gave probably a 10 chance and he heard it he had to hear it it was so loud and he obviously heard it because he mentioned it in the press conference mm -hmm. i'm jacked that we got aaron Rodgers. honestly i didn't think we were going to get him i thought Derek carr was going to be the guy because I did think the compensation was going to be way too much for Rodgers. And remember, Derek Carr was a free agent. It didn't cost anything. So I thought that was the route they were going. But they were determined to get Rodgers in another year. In everything, life is timing. In a different year, we would have had six, eight teams in the AFC trying to get it. Only because of different things that happened with the other teams. The Titans would have been in on them. But they got shambles in their own. Of course. The Raiders are in disarray. They hate McDaniels. The Colts aren't good enough that he ain't going there. The Dolphins, they believe in Tua. God bless them. The Patriots are with Mac Jones. Macaroni the, Jones, the, we call him. Listen, that guy is a dirty player. He's from and Alabama. He's of course he is. <laughs> These guys in the NFL, they do a lot of talking in those locker rooms. Don't you believe when he's coming up sliding and he's coming up kicking guys? you seen what he did to that uh -huh. back in Carolina. Yeah. Come on, man. A lot of things. There's three, four things he's done. It so Mac Jones will get his. I hope we're the team that does it. Speaking of nutty players, Chad Ochocinco in a game in 2009, he scored a touchdown against the Jets and mocked your celebration. Go through that story, that whole incident. It was funny because he said before the game, we were playing for the playoffs. That was one of the coldest nights I ever was at a game. He was saying that he was going to have a Cincinnati Bengal helmet. He was going to go on a goalpost and he was going to do the Bengal chant. We crushed him. We shut him out. The place was wild. And so he actually called me. I was actually hanging Christmas lights. I was on a roof and I get a call from a 305 area code and he got my number and he called me and he actually invited me out to Cincinnati for the game. He said to me, you know, everything, all expenses on me. He goes, I didn't give you a good performance like I said I would. He goes, you do a hell of a job. He goes, I want to invite you and your family out top of the line. And I said, that's awesome that you even called me and I appreciate it. I said, but I'd be a horse's ass if I took you up on it. I said, if the Jets did it, it'd be different. I said, I can't take it from another team. I thanked them and we were on Showtime that week. I remember that. It was a good time. A lot of fun. You're blessed. I'm blessed that I'm able to rock
talk to 80,000 people. I've talked to different players through the years. They respect you. So you're on it. It's never about me. I want the Jet fans to, I want to win. I want to win. I'm a Jet and fan. I love it. I hope you forgive me. You were mad at me. I didn't know the whole story. I heard different yeah, writers. Bro- circumstances that yeah. went on. Then we're even in the press. Some things you can't even talk about. Then it becomes sensationalism. Then you become a drama queen. And I'm not doing that. So all I did was bit the bullet. And really, when I left, I thought that would be it. I was going to go to the games. Despite, I was still going to the games. <laughs> Whether I was fine with that or not, I was going to the games. I want to see a world championship. You were just Ed. Hey, that's fine. But I was fortunate enough the fans listen to me. So I'm blessed and I'm honored. I'm going to give them everything I have this year. I can tell you that. I'm very excited. You have to be very excited if you're a Jet fan. Sauce guarantees a playoff run. Garrett Wilson is just excited beyond excited. You look at the position where the Jets are at now with a quarterback, with a defense, now even with an offensive line. Everybody was complaining that didn't get an offensive lineman because the Patriots screwed him. The Patriots didn't screw him because Joe Douglas predicted that the Patriots were going to trade with Pittsburgh and move up a 14. So he knew it was going to happen and he knew where he was going. So all the Jet fans out there, Will McDonald was his pick. And if Will McDonald turns out to be anywhere close to the player they think he could be an eight or nine sack a year type of player, the Jets absolutely had a home run with the center that they got. They really positioned themselves for the next couple of years. Next year, that cap hit is going to kill them because it's the whole Aaron Rodgers cap hit. They're renegotiating that. What I'm hearing, and I'm not going to start giving breaking news, he wants to win. He's made his money. He's going to give plenty of room so the Jets can keep operating. Mm. And don't be surprised if you see Aaron Rodgers here for not two years, but three years. Wow, look at you. I see him going through with a option for a third year. Fireman Ed, the inside source. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers here. It all depends on the success of the Jets. That all plays into it. If we win a world championship, who knows? Let's hope we're on this show and we're talking about the 100%, man. Championship. How about this? Why don't we get I'll, you I'll back on the show after the first week will, of the season? You guys want me? I'll come I would on. love to get you on. I would love to know your opinion. I'm going to talk to a fellow Jet fan. What could I say? I mean, Speedy's a Giant fan, and he's worried. He doesn't right. really like what his Giants did this offseason. Very neutral offseason. They're right. going to be about the same well, as last the year. Giants got a nice team. I'm not into these running quarterbacks. When I see Josh Allen running, I just cannot believe. They actually have these designer sweeps for these guys. They're off the wall. These guys are off the wall. Like, what are you doing? I go crazy when I see that. What quarterback has won that's done that? Patrick Mahomes. Because Mahomes, they stopped them from doing it. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson would probably be the only one. Or Steve McNair. He went to the Super Bowl. Are you talking about winning Super Bowls or going to the Super Bowl? No, guys running the ball. It's different when you ad lib. When you ad lib from the pocket, that's fine. I'm talking about these guys are RPOs. Yeah. Run pass option. These guys are actually designer runs. You got to be kidding me. This is the NFL. Not for long. Flag football NFL. That's what we're going to call it. Daniel Jones has already hurt his neck, and I'm shocked they're running him. Like, what are you doing? That's the giant problem. You guys won four Super Bowls. I'm not worried about you. You've had plenty of success. And my family, I got a lot of giant fans. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't care. We've gone five decades. I don't want to hear anything from a giant fan because you've had tons of success. It's over. It's our turn. We get a turn. We're around the merry-go-round. We want a turn. All right, Ed. Let's hear the chant, baby. I want to hear it before we let you go. Always. Oh, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs>
Let's go. Ed. You're a good guy. I got plenty of family members that are Giant fans. Nothing but love. Just so you know, me and Brandon Jacobs have a bet. And that if the Jets have a better record than the Giants when they play week eight, he has to take me and Speedy and his son to dinner and to the Giant and Jet game. And if... I lose. If the Giants have a better record than the Jets, week eight, I have to take Speedy, Brandon Jacobs, and his son out to dinner and out to the Giants and Jet game. It'll be fun. And I also have a couple of family members that are Jets fans as well, so I never actually had any ill will towards the Jets. A lot of Giants fans hate the Jets too, and I also grew up in Connecticut where Southern Connecticut was more Patriots country, but mixed with Giants fans, so I always grew up not liking the Patriots either, so I'm sure all Jets fans can support that as well. Yes. Well, Jets and Giants, there's people that don't have any ill will. I being fireman Ed, I see plenty of ill will the so, no, there's a lot of them. I've been dealing with the Giant fans a long, long time. I watch his go to five Super Bowls, win four of them in the same stadium. So I know all about it. It just makes me stronger. Harder, and I can't wait till it's our day. Our day in the sun. Because it's coming. Oh. And you're not going to be happy. Most of them ain't going to be happy. But it's coming. Sorry. Ed, thank you for calling, my friend. All the best. Fireman Ed. The great and powerful J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. That was Fireman Ed. He was fantastic. Great interview. He told a lot of great stories, too. He told all you Jet fans that I quit on you, too. Don't believe everything you read, either. Don't believe on everything that you hear, either. A lot of other great stories with the fans, with a lot of the players. All this time that it takes to be a Jets fan, and he's seen a lot, but a great guy to lead this chant, that J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets chant for all you Jets fans out there. And pretty much every single player that either comes to this team or is on this squad including Aaron Rodgers when he was at his press conference mentioned Fireman Ed so it just tells you that he is the mascot of the New York Jets I am a Jet fan I've known Fireman Ed for a very very long time he's a great guy and we're looking forward to getting him on the show in the near future as well when we come back some NFL conversation DeAndre Hopkins cut by the Cardinals are the Giants interested in him are the Jets I doubt it there's no way the Jets are getting him. So Quinn Williams will probably be the only pickup they're going to be picking up. No more wide receivers. The Jets could re-sign Kawan Alexander as soon as the preseason begins. I think Kawan is waiting for an offer. It doesn't seem like he's going to get an offer, so it looks like he could be on a way back to the Jets. And Jimmy G fails his physical with the Raiders, and the Raiders add a new clause in his contract. Uh-oh. Does this mean Tom Brady's coming back? Even though Tom Brady told Sports Illustrated He's not coming back. I beg to differ. When we come back, I'm going to tell you why here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Loudmouths. Yes, our show. Every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. We have great guests, ladies and gentlemen. As you've seen, we've had Fireman Ed on this show. We've had Fireman Ed on our other show. We've had Warren Brinson from the Bulldogs last week on the 
show. We've had so many different guests throughout the last couple of weeks. I'm just so flabbergasted on all the great guests we've had on the show. So tune in throughout the week, and I'm telling you guys, we might be interviewing one of your favorite players. So tune in every single week by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. DeAndre Hopkins. His name just keeps coming out, and now it has come out for everybody to hear because the Cardinals officially released DeAndre Hopkins on Friday, resulting in a dead cap hit of $22.6 million against the Cardinals' cap. The Cardinals said they have been frustrated with Hopkins when he sat out for the final two games of the season when he was healthy last year. Hopkins only played 19 games over over the two seasons with the Cardinals between injuries and also being suspended for six games using PEDs. Hopkins in three years in Arizona had 221 catches, 2,696 yards, and 17 touchdowns in 35 games. He would be a great addition to the New York Giants. The Giants do not have a number one wide receiver. They brought in Darren Waller. He is not a wide receiver, and he is not the same Darren Waller he was three years ago on the Oakland Raiders. He was a Las Vegas Raider, but when he was good, he was an Oakland Raider. Without Saquon Barkley, and we don't know if Saquon's playing this year on the Giants or if the Giants are going to trade him before the season starts. They have no weapons. I like to get Hyatt that they drafted in the third round. It was a great pickup, but he is not a number one. He's a number two. They don't have a number one. For years, they've had number twos and number threes. Odell Beckham was the last wide receiver that I believe was an elite wide receiver in the league. And when you look at Knicks and you look at Victor Cruz, those guys showed up week in and week out, and they did it the right way. Except guys like Odell Beckham that likes to making pissing gestures on the football field when he scores touchdowns. And punching kicking nets. Kicking nets or proposing to them. them. (laughs) So I want to forget that. He was the last one. So if they can get DeAndre Hopkins and maybe get him for $10 or $11 million, if you lose Saquon Barkley, it might be worth it. Maybe it's Saquon Barkley seeing DeAndre Hopkins going to the Giants, he'll take the $10 million for one year and play with DeAndre Hopkins and Darren Waller. Because they also need a receiver with size, too. Now, I was against them trading for Hopkins when the cap hit was so big. I didn't want the Giants to bring him in because I know they're not a wide receiver away. Yes, it's a big weakness for them, especially since they only have smaller receivers, too. Hopkins could give them a receiver with size. Darren Waller is a tight end that has some size, too, which is fine. But, again, he's going to be spread out as a tight end. You want to be used as that. He will help in so many areas. He was a great red zone target with the Cardinals. Again, in more of an exotic offense, kind of like what the Giants have with Brian Dable, a heavy motion offense. He's not going to be the prime DeAndre Hopkins. And any fan that is expecting that you're not going to get it but they need somebody that adds another dimension to that offense and somebody that can be physical against tough number one corners he hasn't been the same player either and I'm not saying he's ever going to be that player when he was one of the most dominant wide receivers in the league when we've argued that he was as good as Antonio Brown and Julio Jones those were the three best guys in the NFL for six years five years ever since Calvin Johnson retired DeAndre Hopkins automatically becomes their best receiver in the last 10 years. The Giants haven't had a talented wide receiver since Odell Beckham. So bringing in a guy like Hopkins could really help them. But are they willing to do this? And is DeAndre Hopkins willing to go to the Giants? He wants to win a Super Bowl. Does he believe that Giants have a chance to win a Super Bowl if he goes there? I don't think they do. And they might have to overpay a little bit because of that. The teams that are going to get him for less are going to be the more obvious Super Bowl contenders. The Giants made the playoffs out as a surprise last Last year, they weren't supposed to be anything of what they were last year. They're supposed to be a five-win team at most, and they made the playoffs. The Jets could resign Kawan Alexander soon. Let me tell you something, guys. 
Kawan interviewed with Pittsburgh. He went to the Texans. He sat down with a couple of teams. He's not going anywhere. He is going to take less to stay with the Jets because he has a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. Kawan Alexander has never won a Super Bowl. He played for the Saints, didn't win a Super Bowl there. He played for San Francisco, didn't win a Super Bowl there. This guy has another one or two years left in the NFL. He's in his 30s. He wants to win a Super Bowl. This team, this Jets team, gives him the best chance to win a Super Bowl. It could arguably be the best defense he's ever played for. And he's played for mighty good defenses in San Francisco and the Saints. So is this a good move for him and a good move for his career? 100%. The question is, do the Jets want him back? That's the question. And if they do bring him back, does he start? Because when you see the Jets and you see the transformation of this team... Jermaine Johnson could be moved to linebacker. He can play inside. He can play on the outside. You could do a lot with Jermaine Johnson. You bring back Vinnie Curry. He's still on this roster. You have Carl Lawson. C.J. Mosley was an all-pro player last year. They brought in Clark, who could be prototypically a safety-slash-linebacker. I don't know how Kawan Alexander fits. Now, Kawan Alexander is a Robert Sala favorite. So if Robert Sala brings him back, he will play. 100% he will play. But how much is he going to play? And is he willing to take a back seat for Quincy Williams or any of these youngsters that they drafted this year? That's the question. And if he's willing to do that and he's willing to take less and he's willing to sit there and try to win a Super Bowl or help add his two cents or maybe just give information to the youngsters he could be a leader on the bench and help develop these youngsters. So I know Kawan Alexander wants to win a Super Bowl. This is a great opportunity, and I think the Jets will re-sign Kawan Alexander. I don't think he's making a lot of money. I think it's under a million dollars. Yeah, I can see that kind of thing, too, to take less, because the Jets need some other off-ball type linebackers, too. The Jets had a big weakness last year covering tight ends. They had a big weakness against some bigger body, more slot-type receivers, and C.J. Mosley, he's a good coverage linebacker in zone, but he's a little bit older. He's more of a physical type guy. Robert Sala's defense in San Francisco had somebody like Fred Warner who could keep up with anybody in man coverage. The Jets really don't have a guy like that, but Kwan Alexander might have been the closest thing last year, and it's going to probably be the closest thing available to them right now until the trade deadline. Now, was he great all season? No, but at least it's something to have because the Jets, like I was saying with the Giants, not having big body receivers, they're just missing that concept on defense. They improved the run defense a lot this offseason. Al Woods, you bring in Quentin Jefferson, the draft picks that they made, the safeties they brought in. They're all good run tacklers, but they don't really have a guy, a safety slash linebacker that could help cover. And that's going to be a big issue that the Jets, if they don't fix what they did last year, teams are going to expose that against them again. Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio reports that Jimmy G did not pass his physical with the Raiders. Jimmy G underwent foot surgery after signing with the Raiders and the actual signing with his contract was delayed because of it. The Raiders included a clause in his contract called the Adorandum G, which allows the Raiders to terminate the contract if Jimmy G has any injuries to that left foot, which he had surgery on. If Jimmy G does pass his physical, plays at least one game, and does not re-injure that foot this season, the clause is taken away. The Raiders removed $11.25 million of Jimmy G's signing bonus as a result of this clause. Jimmy G suffered a foot injury week 13 last season, a 
against the Dolphins and did not play for the rest of the season, even with the 49ers having quarterback injuries to Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. I will say this. I understand Tom Brady is going in as an investor for the Las Vegas Raiders. But don't get it twisted. If Jimmy G cannot play this year, they are not going into the season with Brian Hoyer as their starting quarterback. There's no way Devontae Adams is going to go into the season. He didn't even want to play with Jimmy G. Do you really believe he wants to play with Brian Hoyer? I don't think that's happening. If Jimmy G does not get better, if his foot or his ankle is not ready for the season this year and they drop his contract, I'm telling you right now, Tom Brady will come out of retirement and play at least a year. He will save Josh McDaniel's tail. I'm telling you. Why would he go and buy and invest into the Las Vegas Raiders? Why would he do that? I know everybody says, well, Al Davis, and if they ever sell it, it's going to probably make him double. I don't think Tom Brady cares about the money. Tom Brady is a multi-multi-millionaire. He just signed a 10-year, $350 million TV deal. You think he cares if he invests $100 million, he's going to make double the amount back for it? I don't think he cares. I think the whole point of him buying into a team is because he wants to be a part of that team. And one thing we know that he hasn't lost is his desire to play football either. No. And there's no illegal move that this would be if he were to buy stake in the Raiders like he has and then become a player on that team. Now, again, they still have to make the contracts work with the cap space and all that. But like you said, I don't think Brady's going to take a lot of money to play anyway at this point. Jimmy G got a $25 million a year contract and they'll manage the money. If he owns the team, I don't know how he can maneuver that ownership. Maybe he puts it into somebody else. He can't put in his wife. He's not married anymore. Right. And I don't know if any of the owners will let him put it into any of his kids' name. Maybe his father or his parents. But if he owns a piece of the team, why would he care if he was making any money? If the team is selling out games and selling out hot dogs and hamburgers and everything like that, Tom Brady's making money because Tom Brady is the star quarterback. So I absolutely believe that he can make it work and the NFL would make it work even if he's the owner of the team. But the only thing is, does that 10-year, $350 million contract become null and void? Now, he already said he's not going to be a broadcaster this year. He's going to wait until 2024, which means maybe... He believes he has a chance to come back this year. I thought it was the Dolphins, but now that he's buying stake in the Las Vegas Raiders, why would he go and play for the Dolphins when he could play for his own team? Well, the Dolphins would be illegal if he has stock in the Raiders. They cannot do that, but he could play for the Raiders. He's an employee. He's an ownership of that team, so he can end up playing again. If he does come back, that would be the craziest sports story maybe we've ever seen if he comes back. I don't care that he sat down with Sports (laughs) Illustrated and he said he has no interest in playing ever again. That is a ploy. How many times have we heard players that he has played with and they have said, even when Tom Brady says he means it, it doesn't mean that he means it. We've heard Julian Edelman say that. We've heard Gronkowski say it. Because the truth is, is he wants to spend time with his kids. But if he wants to spend time with his kids, why would he go into ownership with the Las Vegas Raiders? He's got to be an owner. He wants to be around the game. So I really do believe if Jimmy Garoppolo is not 100% healthy, I wouldn't be surprised that Tom Brady comes back. When we come back, we're going to have some MLB conversation as John Carlo comes back. Josh Donaldson comes back. Tommy Canely comes back. There are a couple of guys that need to come back. One, the prize possession of the offseason and Carlos Rodon hopefully will be on his first way back because he hasn't pitched one pitch with the Yankees yet since he was signed by the Yankees. The six-year, $160 million deal with the Yankees in the offseason. When we come back, we're going to get into that and we are also going to get into Kerr Einstein! Here on the Weekend Crunch. 
We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week including the Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great content, great guests, and crazy callers. Listen to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network every single week. And if you miss any one of the shows, go to Apple Podcasts and check out any one of the shows that you have missed. And we have over 1.5 million downloads going into 1.6. Definitely, if you're a fan and you're a sports fan, you should be listening and checking out all our shows throughout the week, only on W www.worldwidesportsradio.com Before we get into some crunch time I will say this about the New York Yankees The Yankees played very well against Seattle, game number one against the Dodgers. They got smoked. <laughs> they got smoked I know Josh Donaldson came back and John Carlo and Josh Donaldson actually hit a home run in the ninth inning. So maybe that opens up a little bit more offense for him moving forward. But I expect these guys when it gets a little bit warmer and they start to get their feet under them I believe John Carlo will go on a rampage and I think this team is still fantastic and they're getting the offense back that they desperately need. They hopefully don't have to depend on Aaron Judge for the last couple of weeks to run and practically give them all their offense. So Oswaldo Cabrera was sent down to AAA. They still believe in Anthony Volpe, and I think Anthony Volpe will be a good player. I wasn't too fond of Oswaldo Cabrera, but I think he's going to be a good utility player in the major leagues. I don't know if he's a starter. I think he's a utility player that you can move in the outfield. In the infield, he can play multiple defensive positions, but he's hot and cold when it comes to hitting. And again, you look at a case of Aaron Judge playing as well as he did without these guys in the lineup too. These reliable power bats. Outside of Anthony Rizzo, Yankees have had some inconsistencies with the power, which is normally their strength for a while. Glaber Torres was hot at the beginning of the year. Volpe was hot at certain points, but nobody else was consistent. And Judge was playing now at an AL MVP level. Now getting Stanton back, now getting Donaldson back, if he can play like that, is going to be a big deal for this Yankee team that's really weathered the storm in what we know is the toughest division of baseball. Tommy Canley, the Yankees bring him back in the offseason. They needed relief, and they needed an eighth or maybe a ninth inning pitcher. I think he's going to be used for the eighth inning when he gets healthy and he's ready to go and he's on. But Tommy Canley has not pitched a lot in the last three years. But the Yankees trust him and he's a good clubhouse player. A lot of people like him. I know Aaron Judge thinks he's funny. He's a great guy. And adding a guy to the clubhouse that can give some personality in that clubhouse is something that you like. Nick Swisher was one of those guys. I know Paul O'Neill was one of those guys. So to bring in a guy like that, I think it could absolutely help out in the clubhouse, which they maybe lack a little bit of personality there. But I'm looking forward to seeing Tommy Canley. As far as the Mets are concerned, they're getting hot. They're starting to hit. Pete Alonso is a beast. I expect Pete Alonso to hit 50-55 home runs this year. I don't know if he breaks Aaron Judge's home run record last year. I don't think he hits 63. Because he goes on these spurts where he doesn't hit home run for like 10 or 11 games. I expect him to hit close to 50 home runs. I expect him to hit over 120 RBIs. I expect him to be up for an MVP in the National League this year. My question is, where are they going to get the pitching? Senga is pitched probably the best for the New York Mets. Ver- 
Verlander's hot and cold, hot and cold. We all know about our friend over there that I've been telling everybody they overpaid for. And I just think that this team is just so old. This team is an old pitching rotation. And their bullpen, the bullpen in the beginning of the season looked good, but they have no closer. They lost Diaz for the whole season because of the World Baseball Classic. They need a closer. And I think that is what they should desperately look for at the trade deadline. They need depth in that bullpen and that rotation because of the ages of these guys, too. Because also Senga is a guy, too, that because he came over from Japan, he still has to pitch on longer rest than your average baseball starter. This is the first weekend. He's pitching on Sunday on regular rest, finally. He's had to pitch on longer rest before that, and that creates another void. That was hoping what we were getting for David Peterson and Tyler McGill, but they both had their issues this season. Peterson's been horrible. But Scherzer, Verlander starting to turn things around, which is nice, but again, can they keep it up as far as the hitting? Canna and Marte are finally hitting which is a good sign and Francisco Alvarez has really been good and that's a good protection bat they need to go underneath Pete Alonso because the Mets lacked power last year and they need other power besides Alonso in this lineup to be able to succeed at that next level they're picking up now they're in the second place in the division but that division is still going to be run by that Atlanta Braves team that's been very good all year all right Speedy let's get into it crunch time it's time for crunch time all right, we'll start crunch time with a South Florida double dose. We'll start in the NHL. Buy or sell. Somebody other than Matthew Tuchuk will lead the Florida Panthers in points in the Stanley Cup. I do not believe it. I think Matthew Tuchuk has been one of the hottest players in the league. I think he's been as good as anybody in the playoffs. So I think he's hot, and I think he's going to be the Conn Smythe Trophy winner in the Stanley Cup final. So I think Matthew Tuchuk, I don't think anybody else. So I am going to sell it. I'm going to buy that one. I think Bruce Cassidy as a coach, I think they'll be able to put those wingers, the those top defense on Vegas has five really good defensemen. I think they'll be able to game plan for it more. I think Tuchuk will still do well. I think they'll adjust later on, but I think initially they're going to try to swarm on him, double team him, and be more physical on the four check. So I'm going to buy it. It's going to be somebody else. All right. Jimmy Butler will have at least one game of 30 points and one game of 40 points in the NBA Finals. I'm going to sell it. I can't see him doing it against this Denver team. They're a great team, defensive team, and Denver has the size to beat up Jimmy Butler. I don't believe Jimmy Butler is 100% healthy. If Jimmy Butler was 100% healthy, maybe I can argue that. I don't think he's the same player he was against the Knicks, so I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy that one. I think he has one game of 40. I think he'll have a tough 30. I think he'll be the only one that scores in a lot of those games. These other guards really struggle. Did he score 40 against the Boston Celtics? He did not. I think he had a game of 37. He's not scoring 40 against the Denver Nuggets. I think what'll happen is the Nuggets will have a bigger lead in the series, and I think they'll get a little more offensive-centric in one of those games. I think one of the home games he will, and then another game he'll just have a tough 30, an inefficient 30. I think the Nuggets are going to coach in this series. I think they'll dominate, but I do think he'll get his. So I'm going to buy that one. All right, our friend Gary Sanchez, cut by the Mets, now signed by the Padres. Buy or sell? He'll be there the whole season. Sell? I don't believe he's any good anymore. It's a shame. Gary Sanchez has not been the same player since Joe Girardi was let go by the Yankees. He was not the same player ever since he's been gone. So I am going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell that one too. I just don't trust his on-base percentage and he strikes out too much. The Padres need pitching. They're going to have to create a roster space at some point. So I will sell that as well. All right, buy or sell? Dalvin Cook likely to be cut or traded by the Vikings soon. The Bills, the Dolphins, the two favorites to get him. Buy or sell, he'll go somewhere else. I'm going to sell it. I think he goes to the Bills. It makes a lot of sense. They need a running back. He is a superb running back that can absolutely fit in that culture, that locker room. I think he goes to one or the other, so I'm going to sell that. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. The other reason is his brother's there too. James Cook went in a pretty good second half last year for the Bills. I could see that being a leverage point. I think they should go after Derrick Henry in a trade because I think they need a bruising back to help out Josh Allen, especially in the snow, but I do think it makes a lot of sense with James Cook being there too. 
this. So I am going to sell it. All right, buy or sell. Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge will both have 30 home runs at the All-Star break. Alonso has 20, Judge has 18 right now. I buy it. I absolutely believe both guys will have over 30 home runs, and I believe both guys will have close to 60 RBIs. So I buy it. I'm going to buy it too. Also, with the Mets having a lot more power protection in this lineup finally, and the Yankees getting everyone back healthy, judges on that same surge he was in the middle of the season last year. Pete Alonso, I do agree, will cool off at some point. I think mm-hmm. it'll be more in the second half, though. So I am going to buy it. Back to the Stanley Cup. Somebody other than Jack Eichel will lead the Golden Knights in points in the Stanley Cup. I'm going to buy it. I absolutely do believe it. I think the Golden Knights, they have so much talent around the board. And I'm not saying Florida doesn't either, but the Golden Knights have a lot of weapons. One guy I believe could have a really, really good series is their captain, Mark Stone. I think Mark Stone is a great goal scorer. He hasn't had the playoffs that you would think that he should have, but he is a fantastic talent. There's a reason why he's the captain of the team, and I think he's going to play a big part in the Stanley Cup Finals for his Las Vegas Knights. Yeah, I'm going to buy that one, too. I'm going to go with William Carlson. I like the matchup for him. He's a physical, tough winger that could also be a center in those particular matchups, too. He's had, I think, 19 points so far in the playoffs, not far behind what Eichel's had. He's been a good playoff guy in the past, too. I could see Stone being the guy, too, but I'm going to go Carlson, but I'm definitely going to buy that one as well. All right, last one. Nikola Jokic will get at least two more triple doubles in the NBA Finals. Absolutely buy it. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a triple-double in every single game. This guy is the best player in the NBA. There's no arguments to that. And what he did, he manhandled, yes, you heard it, he manhandled the Miami Heat in game number one. I expect him to do it throughout this series. I absolutely buy it. No question. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to buy that one, too. The creativity of those passes, especially inside, is just insane. We were talking about earlier with the size difference that Denver has over Miami. I think that's going to continue to happen. Yeah, Spolstra can make adjustments, but how many games and how many quarters is he going to be able to do that on a consistent basis? He's definitely getting at least two more triple-doubles. I can even see three as well. I will buy it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Thank you to Fireman Ed for joining us. He was fantastic. We'll see Fireman Ed at least once or twice this year at MetLife Stadium. We will see him against the Jets and the Giants because it's either me paying for Brandon Jacobs and Braden Jacobs and Speedy going to a game and dinner or it's Brandon Jacobs paying for me, Speedy and Braden Jacobs to go to the game and dinner. So we will see Fireman Ed in week eight but it's going to be a fun season for the New York Jets. As you heard Fireman Ed, he's excited about Aaron Rodgers. He's excited about this team so you should be. Go check out Flight 23 on YouTube. The confidence level for the New York Jets has been superb throughout this offseason. And by the way, Zach Wilson does not look very, very good. So it's not a good sign for any of you Jet fans if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And I am a Jet fan, so I'm not excited about that. Thank you to Chaz and Paolo for joining us as well. Guys, check out the Moneyline Mania segment. If you want to win money, World Wide West, these guys are the best handicappers in the country. If you like to win money, and if you missed this segment, Go check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out the Apple Podcast on the top, and you can click it up and listen to the Weekend Crunch. This week, it'll be posted, and you can listen to that segment if you missed the segment live here on 103.9 FM. Thank you to all the fans that listen to us here in Long Island and throughout the country. Keep listening to us as we are the voices of Long Island and New York sports. We will talk to you next week. Good night, everybody.